Welcome to another episode of Insert Sound, a podcast serving as a platform to practice recording sounds, finding ideas for sounds and creating a context through spoken word. I'm your host, Svavar Jonathanson. For those of you unsure whether to keep listening or go look for some murder podcast, consider the possibilities of plot and characters you might find in a flea market. Having convinced all of you, I welcome you to Kolaportið. Insert sound. What is essentially Iceland's only constantly running flea market gets its name from the word kor, as in coal, and port, as in the architectural feature of a gate, though in Iceland it refers to a space that is sheltered. In my mind, like a courtyard surrounded by houses, a common feature of 19th century Danish architecture. But the building which houses the flea market has nothing to do with either a gate nor coal. The name Kolaport originates from the original location at a coal depot located at Reykjavik Harbor when the city was heated by coal, before oil and before the present luxury of geothermal energy. Oh, by the way, this is Iceland. Kolaportið has moved three or four times since its opening and now finds itself on the first floor of the ominous customs building, its upper floor still a place of dread for many. I wanted to record the sound of Kolaportið for various reasons. I like the idea of a historical documentation of the sound of this unique market, as it sounds now. Inevitably, the soundscape changes constantly, however subtle these changes might be. This could be the change in cellars, in the setup of booths, and ultimately a change of housing. I like the idea of a place I can return to and look for new sounds, or find those that I didn't notice or think of before. This might also be easier, as I get more comfortable with the sellers, who, at this moment, around 2pm, on a Sunday, seem to be gathering in small groups and looking at me. I stood by the wall of the corridor, between the west and east side entrances, about 60 meters apart. I made sure to not block the foot traffic, which is usually slower on Sundays. Although people are generally less suspicious of someone recording sound than video, something I've noticed during 10 years of recording sound for radio documentaries, it's still something that looks out of the ordinary. Tourists recording video of every inch of a location using their smartphones sometimes at the end of a stick. That's not unusual. Standing with a furry blimp on a mic stand, wearing headphones, looking down, is. The market has changed slightly since my last visit, sellers having changed locations, but mostly it was business as usual. The guy selling LPs next to the man selling vintage books. The Chinese sellers of all things plastic, opposite the Icelandic woman selling handmade jewelry, her with only one properly usable arm, and, of course, the man selling stamps, never looking up from his phone unless a sale is near certain. And there is more jewelry, and there are hand-knitted Icelandic woolen sweaters, and there are music t-shirts, and second-hand clothes, and licorice, and carved walrus, ivory, 
and a 1960s looking exercise bike. Here was a chance to both record a distinct sound and the background sound of people walking around. As I began to bike, changing gears for a change in sound, I realized that this made me look less like a serious sound recordist and more like a strangely serious sound recordist, which kind of takes the pressure off. The aisle I was biking in next to a jewelry stall was sparse and rather quiet. I witnessed a sweet moment of laughter between a seller and a man in an electronically controlled wheelchair, reminding me that there are long-term local sellers as well as visitors. I set up the mic in the corner of the adjacent aisle by the large end windows facing north. Around me were dozens of large paintings by different creators, a chair and a small desk, but no one mending sails. This corner had recently been where the guy selling hats was, but now I just stood there, recording little more than a man having a video call, arranging to meet someone in the cafe. Shortly thereafter, a new sound is added to the Sunday soundscape, one that is a fixture of this high-ceiling building, emanating from wherever its creator sits, selling his wares. Thorir sells CDs, DVDs and guitars, and at the moment he was rhythm riffing on a left-handed guitar, turned upside down, saying simply, Jimmy could do it. It's at moments like these that the simple premise of the show, to record sounds and not interviews, faces challenges. I think that if I allowed myself to include voices, insights and perceptions of people through interviews, however interesting, I'd be losing the simplicity and freedom of my original idea. It would also then just join the pool of shows that tell stories through other people, as opposed to be guided simply by the sounds and my perceptions. But behind certain sounds are people, which you cannot say are just part of the background noise, the cacophony of society. If I pick them out and focus in on something that they are doing, a unique part of them being them, traceable, then I must confront the question of representation and credit. I acknowledge this as the podcast constantly moves into different territory and evolves, sometimes facing challenges, like playing a left-handed guitar upside down. I move into the food market at the southern end of the building with a much lower ceiling and products needing cooling. I'm sure there are some sellers not present, as it feels slow. Two men chat about shark, the local tradition and delicacy, often referred to by tourists as rotten shark, though it's fermented 
like kimchi, some food at the market you won't find in most grocery stores, like horse meat and organ meat, offal, or Icelandic forms of preservation, which made me think of what is considered strange, exotic, or simply unacceptable as food. Who's to judge, how, by what standard? Taste, availability, tradition, scarcity, health, fashion, cross-country regulations, the EU, Asian cuisine, food markets, wild meat, corona, French farmers making raw cheeses, illegal in the United States, an evolving topic with hard questions, which for now blend into the hum of a large freezer set at minus 19 degrees Celsius. The longer I listened to the sound, the more I felt I heard a dial-up modem, a sound that defined my teenage years, a gateway to a new world, to knowledge and information, to inappropriate chat rooms, Napster, and somewhere along the way, pornography. Which makes me realize that there is no pornography on sale in Kolopartit, aside from the small selection of erotic literature, sold humorously as a stag present, locked away in some little drawer, and the vintage nude postcards. After a roll of licorice, my guilty pleasure, and a national obsession, I record both entrances to the flea market, first east by the cash machine. Watching three hip-looking guys and a girl wearing the largest, most puffy jacket I've ever seen. And then the west, by the long, mostly unattended shoe rack, against the blue painted wall with white fish swimming, static, floating in paint. And with that, we end this first visit of insert sound to Cola Porti flea market, but certainly not the last. Still plenty of good sounds on sale. The recordings were made on the Sound Devices Mix Pre 6 with the Rode NT4 stereo mic, courtesy of my good friend Arne Pen. Takelskuvinur. Thanks for joining me, and I do hope that you'll come along for the next Sonic ride. If you want to hear the non-voiceover version of this episode, simply being in the flea market without me, head on over to www.insertsound.net. Goodbye.